This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Canadian professor Timothy Caulfield, best known for debunking the latest celebrity health trends, gives us a user's guide to cheating death. Plus, he's a true Canadian hero. We catch up with the man in motion himself, Rick Hansen, as he hits town for the Invictus Games, the Commonwealth competition for wounded soldiers. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. New Alzheimer's disease research from the University of Bari in Italy has discovered that an artificial intelligence unit may be the key to early diagnosis. Researchers created an algorithm that can spot tiny structural changes in the brain typically caused by the disease. This discovery could allow doctors to find the presence of Alzheimer's 10 years before symptoms begin appearing. B.C. Seniors Advocates released the most extensive provincial survey of retirement home residents' quality of care ever conducted in Canada. The key findings, residents need more staff, more freedom, and more conversation because of loneliness. Other recommendations include increased care hours, more flexibility in how and when care is delivered, and more focus on the emotional needs of residents. A German court has fined three people for failing to help an elderly man in distress at a bank. The 83-year-old retiree lay unconscious in the foyer while four people stepped over or around him to get to cash machines. The case has prompted soul-searching about compassion. This week, a district court in Essen convicted three people of failing to help the man and fined them between 2400 and 3600 euros, about three to four and a half thousand dollars. The man died a week after the events. Former middleweight champion Jake LaMotta has passed away at the age of 95. He's best remembered for fighting the great Sugar Ray Robinson six times. He was a teenage hoodlum brought up in poverty, married six times, imprisoned for pimping, a confessed rapist, and sometime actor. LaMotta was famously portrayed by Robert De Niro in the 1980 movie Raging Bull. Here's a clip from the film. There's no way I'm going down. I don't go down for nobody. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. He's famous for taking on the likes of Gwyneth Paltrow to debunk faddish and sometimes dangerous health trends promoted by celebrity culture. Health law professor Timothy Caulfield is investigating everything from ancient therapies to the latest in plastic surgery in his new series airing on our sister station, Vision TV. He dropped by our studios to tell us about a user's guide to cheating death. You, of course, are famous for taking on Gwyneth Paltrow. 
How pervasive is the sort of takeover by celebrity pop culture of the realm of health and wellness? I think it's pretty pervasive, and I, and I think it's accelerating, unfortunately. I, I've really noticed, I don't know if you agree with me, but over like maybe the last five to ten years, we've really seen celebrities move into the health space. You know, they, they've long marketed things or endorsed things like Suzanne Summers and the, you know, the, what was it, the Thighmaster, right? <laughs> right? Uh, you have that kind of thing. But what's happened is now we have celebrities that have entire brands, right? Gwyneth being one of the most obvious, but you also have people like Jessica Alba, you know, she has this honest company and, and Tom Brady, and now one of my, my idols, uh, now also has kind of a, a health brand that he's pushing. So I think it is becoming more and more common. And I think it's confusing how people think and talk about, about health issues. And some of, some of the, the claims that are coming out are just out and out wrong. Uh, others are what I would call just, uh, I often say, you know, she's wrapping a truth in a blanket of pseudoscience, right? Uh, so, uh, and, and just being confusing, I want to highlight that, you know, just being confusing is problematic. You know, research shows that that kind of conflicting health information, making health information too complicated, can have an adverse impact on how the public responds to those health messages. The first thing you take on is this idea that our bodies are full of toxins and we have to cleanse them. Right. This is the whole detox phenomenon, the detoxification phenomenon. And there are so many products and processes out there focused on detoxing. And think about this. This is a relatively recent phenomenon, you know, five years old maybe, and one that I think is almost entirely created by popular culture, you know, but for either explicit or implicit endorsements by celebrities. I don't think this this trend would exist. But we thought it was a logical first one to tackle because it is everywhere. And, you know, there's actually some science that we can talk about. There's so many different kinds of detoxes out there. I did a trampoline detox. You know, this idea that hopping up and down a trampoline is going to detoxify your body. It was a good workout, as you know from the show. (laughs) And you have detoxes where there are different kinds of diets. You have detoxes that are associated with teas. There's even a detox associated with drinking beer, which I like. (laughs) I like that detox. Full endorsement there. But... But the the one you know the classic detox is some kind of diet like maybe it's um, you know juicing and the one I tried I tried Gwyneth's detox it was a very restrictive diet and you know the diet that has very particular foods associated with it and low 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 in calories right so it's the idea is that you're going to flush your body of these toxins but you know what toxins are they talking about how is this going to work where is the clinical evidence that the claims you're making are supported by uh, you know the any any evidence at all, actually. So yeah, we thought this would be a good one to start with. If you look, I did. A, I've done a Google trend search, right? And if you compare how people are searching with the word dieting, which you would think would be always going up, but if you compare it with uh, do a Google's trend search, comparing people searching for dieting, people searching for detoxification, people searching for cleansing, and you'll see that those last two terms are increasing and dieting's going down. In other words. People are sort of reconceptualizing dieting as detoxing and cleansing. What's the danger in this? Well, I, I think that there are a bunch of dangers. You know, some of them are sort of more broad and conceptual. You know, this idea that it changes how we think about food and how we think about a relationship to, to eating, right? Uh, so I think that's problematic, that we're just, you know, if you're going to lose weight, if you want to be healthy, you've got to embrace a diet 
that is balanced, that's enjoyable, because you're going to have to do it forever, right? And we've got to live life, right? <laughs> and I think that this, this idea of detoxing takes away from that. And the other, th- other thing is, let's be honest, it's a crash diet, right? So it's not a healthy way to lose weight. You're not going to maintain it over a, a long period of time. Some of these diets, these cleanses, are very limited in the nutrients that you're getting. So it may not be healthy from that perspective, from a, uh, a nutrient perspective. And also, I think the messaging is often terrible, right? This is a, you know, sort of a quick fix. Uh, you'll always see the detoxes. I'm sure you've noticed this. They emerge right after Christmas, right? I know Gwyneth always goes on a January detox, and the idea is you're supposed to purify yourself after your holiday, right? Or before bikini season, right? And, you know, if guys are supposed to get sexy abs. And uh, so it's this idea that you need to go on a detox in order to create or, or achieve some kind of aesthetic goal, which is really the long, wrong way to think about these things. You should be thinking about health and enjoying life. Okay. Timothy Caulfield, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. I will continue my conversation with Timothy Caulfield in the coming weeks. You can watch A User's Guide to Cheating Death Mondays at 9 p.m. on Vision TV. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Weekend Review. Coming up, we catch up with Canadian icon Rick Hansen, who's seen a lot of positive change for people with disabilities in the span of 30 years. You're listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. So it's great to see so many people gathered here in celebration of Team Canada and the Games. The Invictus Games represent the power of sport to challenge, to inspire, and to overcome. With the Invictus Games kicking off in Toronto, we talked to the man who pioneered a change in our image of people with disabilities. Rick Hansen, the original Man in Motion, reflects on how far we've come in the three decades since his groundbreaking world tour. We are heading into a weekend of the Invictus Games. They are sold out. They're a Big deal. How do you see that in the context of the journey you started 30 years ago? You know, first of all, when I have a chance to be connected with veterans who have served their country and the world to make a difference, and they've paid the ultimate price where they've come back with a you know, significant disability or challenge, and I see them not quit, and I see them move forward to show that life continues, and they focus on ability, and when A kid from Williams Lake at the age of 15 named Rick Hansen uh, thought his life was over. I came to learn about Paralympic sport and that it was disabled veterans who had come back from the war who didn't stop, who created the Paralympic movement and then reached out to people in the community like me to say, life isn't over, keep going. So it's with a profound sense of gratitude that I join all Canadians and people around the world to celebrate the spirit of these amazing veterans and see their excellence in athletics, uh, their camaraderie, and, of course, what they stand for, uh, you know, for a society that, you know, really believes in making a difference. Being part of the relay or the uh, flag ceremony and also to be part of the opening will be a real privilege and honour. And when I left on my Man in Motion tour, you know, really the world wasn't very accepting of people with disabilities. There was still a lot of stigma, lack of accessibility, and, you know, you weren't seeing a lot of people with disabilities really pushing out in all aspects of society to take their rightful role as contributors. And what's happened is we've moved so quickly to a world where 
human rights is recognized for people with disabilities all around the world, especially, you know, magnified through the United Nations. The World Health Organization says there's over one billion people on the planet living with a disability today, and aging boomers are, you know, arriving into this field recognizing that they too will be facing disabilities, and so it's growing exponentially, and and I've never seen a more optimistic period of time where we've made progress, but also where we can actually work even smarter and faster and get there together in a way that uh, has so many more people involved. I would have never imagined that my Man in Motion tour would lead to a lifelong journey and translate into many in motion and a global movement. And obviously, uh, I've played a role, but then so thousands and thousands of others. And I think what's happening in today's world, though, we have to ask ourselves, why is it that the issue of disability still is under-recognized in terms of its prevalence? And why is it that we're not making even more progress given the significance of the issue and the opportunity for society to benefit from the issue? And it's largely because we're fragmented as a community between body parts and clinical diagnosis, you know, in terms of whether what kind of a disability we might have. And we focus on maybe a lot of medical issues, but what we don't tend to focus on is coming together on the three big things that unite us. One is that, wow, look at, look at the size of this community. It's the world's largest minority. Number two is attitudes. You know, no matter what kind of disability you have, need to be positive, not negative. And then we also need to think about making the world accessible, especially in the built environment, the places we live, work, and play and learn so that we can just get on with life and participate. And I think if we can come together on those three things, boy, we're going to really make progress uh, over the next 30 years. As you know, uh, we here are focused on the Zoomer generation. And, uh, you know, just by dint of the size of the generation and, and the ages we are getting to, obviously there will be more and more people with disabilities. How do you think that demographic fact will play into changes in attitudes and changes in the built environment? Well, the first thing that's going to happen is that generation is going to be well-armed with an attitude and an expectation that is free from a lot of the stereotypes and stigmas that really kind of create limitations in previous generations. They really will see that it's just their bag of hammers to hold, as Michael J. Fox would say. And it's normal that we all have challenges, but what really counts is what you make of it. And they'll be more accepting of technology and, uh, you know, enabling opportunities, products and services, and they'll be more optimistic about their role to contribute. And that's really, really powerful. Okay, Rick Hansen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Libby. That was Man in Motion Rick Hansen here for the Invictus Games. Coming up, he's famous for being born in the USA, and it's time to celebrate his glory days. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP. A new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. 
The UK's largest independent film festival is underway in London with the Prince Edward Island shot documentary Bluefin, nominated for Best Documentary Feature. It explores why the bluefin tuna seem to be losing their fear of humans. The Rain Dance Festival regularly draws some 16,000 people. In Paris, the secret art collection amassed by Claude Monet is on display for the first time 90 years after the father of Impressionism died. The exhibition is at the Marmottan Monet Museum. Now to New York's Times Square. In my little town. A trip through Gulliver's Gate leads to a 50,000-square-foot exhibit built by model makers from around the world. The city block-sized space houses more than 1,000 miniature trains, 10,000 tiny cars, and 100,000 little people. And in Los Angeles, the Getty Museum is exhibiting a rare drawing by one of history's most admired artists. The study of a mooring woman, circa 1500, is among a group of 16 Michelangelo drawings acquired this year. It's on display until the end of October. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This weekend, the boss, Bruce Springsteen, is celebrating his 68th birthday. He's been an American music and cultural icon since the 70s, representing the working-class struggles that he experienced as a young man growing up in New Jersey. His poetic songwriting and energetic live performances have brought him much success. He has sold more than 120 million records worldwide and more than 64 million in the U.S., making him one of the world's best-selling artists of all time. Along with his music, the boss is also known for being outspoken about his political views and the causes he supports. In fact, he'll be in Toronto next weekend to take part in the closing ceremonies of the Invictus Games. Right now, we'll hear one of Springsteen's biggest hits, Born to Run. That was Bruce Springsteen with Born to Run. The boss is celebrating his 68th birthday this weekend. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. Produced by Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.